0: Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! And, you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game?
1: Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Do you believe in Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast.
0: What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With
2: Matt Park. And welcome everybody in the booth here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. With you until 3 o'clock today. On what I believe to be the first day where the interior temperature of the uh, studio is actually cooler than it is outside. And it's hard to uh, follow all these reports of doom and gloom one way or the other. Thought it was supposed to be great this weekend. Warm. Somebody was talking about upper 40s or 50s, then, of course, that creates flooding conditions, then it's also going to snow. How how can that all happen? But that is life in uh, central New York, and uh, some of us will be not in central New York this weekend as the Orange uh, head to Tallahassee to take on Florida State for a two o'clock start. We're going to talk about that game and the state of Syracuse basketball with Mike Waters of Syracuse.com coming up in a few minutes on the show. If you'd like to join in, you can. 315-437-7644. Four ESPN 44. Had a couple of uh, reasonable callers on yesterday's show. We'd love to keep that streak alive. I don't know if we can build on two. If we can get to three or four, that would be uh, very pleasing. And uh, speaking of streaks, a Lost last night for Florida State at home. Stopped their 28-game home court winning streak. Tough to win on the road in the ACC as Syracuse has found out. The Orange have lost five in a row on the road. And uh, worse than that when you go back because they were only 2-10 and 10 in their previous dozen dating back a couple of seasons. Went 2-7 and seven last year on the road. It's hard to win on the road uh, in the league one of the important reasons that you need to uh, protect your home court and uh, Syracuse with back-to-back road games here. Poorly timed when you've already had a couple of close games that maybe you could have, should have won to then play at Virginia and uh, at Florida State where you'll be the underdog against ranked teams. FSU last night had an early lead. They were up nine in the first uh, couple of minutes against Louisville, led by 13. You lead by 13 at the half. At home, you've got to win, but uh, Florida State did not. They did not shoot the ball well. That's a strength of theirs. They have uh, a deep arsenal of three, four, five different players that can get hot from deep. They did not have a lot uh, going for them in three-point shooting last night and went about it a different way, playing into Louisville's strengths with shot blocking and defense, and the Cardinals eked out a close win in tally. So we had decided that we were going to take the ball to the basket and drive very hard and see if we finish, but their length bothered us tremendously. I thought we got to the basket real well, but because of their length and inside, I thought guys moved the ball around a little bit, tried to change it, and that's what that's what height and length like that would do for you, and I thought that really made the difference in the game down the stretch. We got inside, but I thought that uh, their ability to block shots, I think they blocked but eight of them, and no telling how many of they change. Uh, the strength of them, uh, we were trying to avoid that the first half because we, we we made some threes, but because we were sputtering a little bit, we had to take ball, had to attack off the dribble, and then we played right into their hands, and I thought that made a, that was probably the, the thing that made the biggest difference in the game. Veteran uh, Florida State coach Leonard Hamilton, with his team, uh, seeing his first loss in twenty nine games. At home, the thing that I think is intriguing about that and the reason I wanted to share that particular soundbite with you is Louisville's strength as it relates to what uh, Leonard Hamilton was talking about last night, what bothered FSU, is what Syracuse has. Length, shot blocking, the Orange are uh, right there with Louisville, is the best uh, shot blocking teams in the ACC, a couple of the best in the country. And it's not just Pascal Chukwu, but uh, he's a huge part of it, obviously in terms of uh, going out and and uh, being able to block shots. Chuku had just two block shots in the uh, Virginia game that uh, stopped a streak where he'd had at least three block shots in eight consecutive games. And a lot of those, uh, more than three. I don't recall a streak like that for uh, really any Syracuse player going back. They've had a lot of uh, good shot blockers, but that one uh, for Chuku, he's going to he's going to impact shots in games. There's no question about it and an opportunity to do that against Florida state. I think one of the things that we would want to keep in mind as the public conversation goes around the team right now and the doom and gloom after the Virginia loss, what happens in this league is there are squirrely results. Syracuse is going to win a game that you you think they don't, you know, Yesterday on the show, Pauly, we went through uh, some of the Twitter reaction. I got a lot, you know, get more after losses than wins typically. And uh, everybody's got an answer after the the losses. And one, you know, got into the, well, they're not going to win a game the rest of the year. Just that it's over. And, uh, you know, obviously people are uh, I, making them, buying their NIT tickets and making their plans. But the, uh, here we go. Is there any hope, anything to be fixed this week has been downright abysmal. So there was somebody who should stay away from uh, sharp ob- objects. But what I'm here to tell you is I can pretty much guarantee they're going to beat a ranked team this year because that's the way it happens, and that's why they play
1: the games. I commented on one of the tweets at you about that, that I will take that bet any yeah. day that they're not going to win another game. I'll take that bet any day of the year. Yeah. Well, think
2: about it like with uh, Georgia Tech last year. It was supposed to be so awful and, uh, and found their way uh, – into winning games and that's just the way sports are and in particularly college sports where you're dealing with 18 to 21 year old guys and uh, the vagaries of it and the inconsistencies of it you've got Georgia Tech's an example this year that you can lose to the worst and beat the best and uh, you know this Syracuse team is not going to be a, a title contender in the conference this year but uh, I wouldn't write them off just yet. They have a significant flaw in terms of uh, limited offensive firepower, but they're, they're going to win a game that you don't expect. And this could be it, really. This this Florida State game's a, a decent candidate for that, although uh, FSU not, uh, not conducive to losing uh, twice in a row at home.
1: The uh, thing that I've noticed from callers, Twitter, everything that, about what's going on, and I don't know, I don't know if I've just never noticed it before, but everybody seems to act like Coach Beheim has not made an adjustment with this team <laughs> that's going to make them win this year. There's not nothing yeah. he can do to make the ball go in the basket. You well, know? I
2: made the analogy uh, walking out of the dome a couple of games ago about the way the lineup is constructed this year. It's like being an American league manager. There's only so many changes you can do. And yeah, National League managers make more changes and they pinch hit and they double switch and they and they probably change the pitcher more often because he comes but a lot of that is brought about because the pitcher comes up in the batting order. In in the American League, what are you gonna do? I mean you can you can change the pitcher, but you're not uh pinch hitting, you're not substituting uh, you know, and turning the roster over. Uh, quite the same way, and that's the way the Syracuse basketball team is right now. There, there's nothing. Trust me, they're not intentionally or even unintentionally leaving anything on the bench that would make a big impact right now.
1: Yeah, and everybody's saying that. A lot of people, not everybody, are saying that Howard Washington should play more. This team doesn't have the room for two turnovers from him. You know, <laughs> you know, like well, and, that, and that's in part
2: because Frank Howard, who yeah. you know is a guy you need to leave on the floor. Is making too many turnovers yeah. right now.
1: Yeah, but you, there's no room for a player to come in and grow on this team. You no. can't d- live with the mistakes that are going to happen. Well,
2: what I'm blown away by, I just can't fathom that anybody watches a Syracuse basketball game and thinks at any moment in the game that things would improve for the better if Howard, Battler, Brissett came off the floor. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that, it's just, it's astonishing to me. There's not not been once that you that I've I've thought that for the whole. Hey, you know what? You know what needs to happen. This guy's got to come out of the game. You know, they're clearly the three best players on the team. They don't have a backup that can improve by going in, and you know you can flip flop a little bit at those other two positions, but uh, not those three.
1: I was going to say it's at the point now where the, those five are your option right now. There's no, you know, and
2: well, I do think there's room for Dolajai though to do something. Right now, he's getting. Physically, just knocked literally right off the court, but he does provide something. And Moyer's not so strong as an incumbent at his position to lock it down. I, I do think you know it's been back to back games here where they split the minutes 30 10 one way and then 30 10 the other way. Um, and it's probably going to be 25 15 Moyer in, in terms of the minutes, which which is fine, but uh, I think what Bayheim does have. Is an opportunity there to, to maybe find a hot hand or a guy who who has it on a given night? The problem is neither of them
1: are actual scorers. Would you be opposed to Matt Moyer dribbling in and taking the ball at the basket? They, no one guards him. Like I I, yeah. I I see where the problem is with him shooting threes and he yeah, seems to be very comfortable with that. But if he dribbled in and went attacked the basket, would that be an issue?
2: Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how good he is at 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 doing that. I think,
1: but there's no one guarding him. Like right. literally, well, that's the guarding. thing.
2: Right now, and uh what Coach Saddle was saying, he he read that after the, the Notre Dame game, they're talking about, even with O'Shea Brissett, look, it's counterintuitive, but just let him shoot, keep him off the boards. There's too many players that you don't really have to honor or defend. Certainly Moyer is one of them. Dolajai really is another. Dolajai is an excellent passer, I think, and has a great feel uh, for the floor, To me, Moyer's a go-get it off the glass guy. He's just going to have. That's how he's going to get his points. But that's sort of what what Chuku is too. And Chuku's much bigger. Um, Those guys are not an answer. You know, if you're looking at a third guard, they had the third guard. Howard Washington's the fourth guard. The third guard's Gino Thorpe. Yeah, (laughs) you know, and he's not here. So uh, that's the way the team was uh, constructed, and and a way that they're going to have to to kind of get on. Like I think you know. This concept of going to three guards, you know, potentially, but I'd feel a whole lot better if the third was Thorpe than Washington. What well, Washington to me is kind of a, you know, maintainer, get out there, tread water, hold the ball, don't turn it over. The thing about Washington is when he goes in, he's not a deer in headlights guy. He doesn't look over, man, he just doesn't look like he's got a whole lot to add. I don't think he's going to necessarily cough it up or be a big liability. He's just not with the polish that uh, Washington, certainly, you know, you can't take battle out of the game period. But, uh, so we'll see. Everybody's got answers now. The, uh, the nature of the ACC and the way that the schedule is you're going to lose games and you might lose multiple games. To me it's about the mental approach of how do you keep on track in order to be able to still beat the teams that you need to beat when you're at home and avoid three, four, five game losing streaks which uh, is a thing that can happen uh, at this level so we'll visit with Mike Waters about that when we continue, we'll take your phone calls if you'd like to chime in headed to the Jim Beheim show tonight at Shaughnessy's in the Marriott Syracuse downtown that's at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8 on the network, 8 until 9 on uh, TK99 only for those of you that would like to uh, chime in and talk with the coach yourself, you can do that tonight. Right now you're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse Saturday the Orange take on the Florida State Seminoles Pre-game at 1230. Tip-off at 2 on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200.
0: This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the
2: Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. We welcome in our friend Mike Waters from Syracuse.com who just tweeted to the world that he's hopping on the show. Hope that you can still maintain your concentration, Mike, while you, while you hop.
3: It's we'll, easier than uh, patting my head and rubbing my belly. Yeah.
2: Now, if you could juggle while you're on the show, that would be especially impressive.
3: Who's to say I'm not right now?
2: Well, maybe you are. I mean, that's that's a pretty <laughs> impressive deal. Mike's appearance brought to us by Oswego <laughs> County Mutual Insurance. Do you have any hidden skills there, Mike? Like that to uh, juggle or...
3: Burp the I, alphabet I or anything? I, I don't juggle hidden
1: skills. This is like that scene from Breakfast Club when they're all sitting around telling each other what their secrets are, what they what they can do. I was
3: really good at quarters in college. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, a boy. Good for you. Does that count? Cool. Can you do the thing
2: where can you stack quarters on your elbow and catch them when you bring them down? I can do that.
3: Didn't everybody around our age try to do that after the guy did it on Happy Days?
2: Is that it, uh, where it came from? I don't even know.
3: That's we, where I first saw it done, okay. and uh, the next day in school we were scattering quarters and nickels all over the
2: hallway. <laughs> good, good time to uh, have a metal detector and, <laughs> and uh, wander <laughs> on through. Um, heading to uh, Tallahassee this weekend, you know. It's to me part of what I guess my commentary has been this week. First of all, I've got no time for. If you're more upset after a loss at Virginia than you were the morning of the game, I got I got no time for you. You know, to me the 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 games to wring your hands over are Wake Forest and and Notre Dame. I, I thought Syracuse played halfway decent and you know would have beaten some other teams in the conference uh, on Tuesday night in Charlottesville, but uh, they might not lose a game at home all year.
3: Virginia's is really good. They're really tough, and they're going to make a lot of teams look bad. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, losses to Notre Dame and Wake Forest were probably more of a reason to wring your hands, if you will, uh, than the loss to Virginia. It was a shame in a way. I thought uh, the effort uh, with which the team played uh, at Virginia probably would have won them, the Notre Dame game. Yes. Uh, especially when you look at, you know, how well they rebounded and Pascal was all over the boards. Uh, you know, where was that on on Saturday? But you can't play that game. You can't go, oh, wow, if we could have just transferred this effort to that game and, you know, it's, it, it'll you'll just drive yourself crazy. What they have to do is – addressed a few things in the game that, that might have cost him that Virginia game. And, and really, if there was anything to be upset about with Virginia, it said, wow, that would have been one heck of a win if Frank Howard didn't have seven turnovers, if Tyus Battle hadn't gone 0-7 from three-point range, you know, if they could have just finished on a few more shots. And, and not to blame it on the referees, because I thought the referees actually over, overall did a really good job in a, in a game that was going to be tough to referee. Given the two defenses that were playing that night. But Syracuse lives at the free throw line uh, on the whole on the season and didn't get there against Virginia.
2: Um, Virginia had double the attempts.
3: Yeah. So that hurt them. Uh, You got when, if you are going to drive, you can't go in soft. You can't go in hoping for the foul. You got to go in more physical. Um, You know, so, you know, yeah, a lot of things that maybe could have turned that game. But on the whole, I agree with you. They they played pretty well against uh, one
2: of the nation's best teams. You know, to me, it was as we visit Mike Waters of uh, Syracuse. There's a few things that you just have to write off as part of being in the ACC. You're going to go through tough patches, and there's also going to be because of that opportunities for greatness, and there's going to be the squirrely results. I mean, to me, the ACC is a junior version of the NBA where when you put a lot of good teams together you know anybody can beat anybody in a given night it wouldn't surprise me in the least if Syracuse won at Florida State on Saturday and now you've got you know an opportunity to completely turn the tables where you've got a win on the road against they'll probably fall out of the rankings but a team that's you know currently at least ranked on paper and mm-hmm. right, and there, there. I mean, there's going to be a game down the road that Syracuse probably wins that they had no business winning because they've done that year after year, they've had at least uh, one of those. So to me, that it's part of what you signed up for.
3: I agree. The trick is you got to get yourself into position to win that game when you have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. When you get a team that's highly ranked, whether it's on your own home court or maybe you get a chance to get them on the road and how you take advantage of that instead of just falling a little short. Last year's team was struggling mightily about the New Year's or a couple games in. But then we saw them kind of put themselves in a position where they changed the look of the team. They went with a different lineup starting at about January 1. They went with John Gillen. They moved Andrew White, to small forward. Uh, they inserted Torian Thompson into the starting lineup at the same time. They went offense. And lo and behold, they were able to beat teams like Duke and Virginia and Florida State at home. Can this team? I, I don't see any wholesale changes to the starting lineup, like they did last year. But can you get better in a few areas here so that you can put yourself in a position to win these big games? Because they're, like you said, they're going to have plenty of those opportunities.
2: Well, you know, one of them. Can, might... can you win one of them? Sure. One of them might just be the attention to detail. You know, you talk about. Frank Howard's turnovers. He has seven turnovers. Well, you can't just give it away on a couple of travels for empty possessions early in the game against Virginia, where otherwise you could have been building a ten point lead or not not a ten point lead in that game, but a lead. And then you know the Notre Dame game when Notre Dame couldn't hit the broadside of the barn for the first eight minutes. The fact that Syracuse did not build a huge cushion there to me is one of the yeah. things that really cost them late.
0: Yeah.
3: You can look back on all these recent losses uh, on one or two things that, man, you know, there's no reason for that to have happened. Uh, And especially, like you said, in the Virginia game, you know, of his seven turnovers, Frank at the very beginning of the game walks twice. And that's not a turnover that Virginia's vaunted pack line defense (laughs) caused. (laughs) He just got, you know, ahead of himself. He, He got a little over his skis there and tried to make a move too fast and on one of them. He was actually open from three-point range, and the way Frank's been shooting the ball lately, you get an open three against Virginia, by all means, take it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he tried to make a move, and he committed a traveling violation, and I think that might have been the one that got him a seat on the bench for uh, a grand total of 42 seconds. I was going to (laughs) say. So, you know, they just. I, I agree with you. It's attention to detail. There's a few times in each of these games when they all of a sudden don't rebound they give up an offensive board or they let a shooter loose and like in the Notre Dame game you leave one shooter loose he makes it and the entire team all of a sudden can make three um, so yeah I don't I don't know what you do um, I don't I've had a lot of people say are they getting tired I, I don't know I don't think so but at the same time, maybe, you know, a little bit of mental fatigue could be a reason why you lose a little bit of focus at some point in the game. But, listen, they they can't go out and sign anybody else. They got what they got. So guys like O'Shea, Frank, and Tires are going to have to play big minutes. They got to get used to it. They got to learn how to handle it.
2: Yeah, g- game of inches, I think, if you look at the ball bouncing a couple different ways, there was the one call on the uh, out-of-bounds in the corner. At the end of the the Virginia game, looked like it was going to be Syracuse ball. They went to the monitor, uh, gave it to Virginia. Otherwise, after trailing by fourteen in the second half, the Orange have the ball with you know a five point deficit. At that point, Tyus Battle was on the bench, so I th- having fouled out. So I think you know you kind of had already uh, written that one off and, and put it in the books. But it's not as far off as you think. And I'm totally with you. No. To me, this whole thing about the allocation of the minutes is completely overblown, and, and I understand Syracuse is at the extreme end of the ske- of the spectrum in terms of players that play 40 minutes, how regular it is. Danny Manning has never had a player play 40 minutes at Wake Forest. I, I don't know about, you know, at, at Tulsa before that. The uh, The 40-minute game for Kyle Guy last, uh the other night was the first 40-minute game under Tony Bennett since 2009.
3: It's incredible. I saw that uh, <laughs> myself in the Virginia's Notes at the end of the game. Yeah, which is like. Hard. Two thousand nine. I mean yeah. in Syracuse that happens every single night.
2: Every night. And uh <laughs> which is just amazing how stark that is. You know, Tyus Battle played every minute that was possible in the month of December. Eight eight games, eight complete <laughs> games. You know, and does it lead to uh, a loss of, of lift in the la- Yeah, it probably does a little bit, but I don't know what the alternative is, number number one. Number two, it's a myth that other teams have eight, nine well, maybe eight, but not nine and ten true players that they're uh, throwing in there. And to me, of larger concern is not what you typically call fatigue. It's maybe just the mental grind. Some minutes, for me, count more than others. Uh, Virginia would be an example of that. It's mentally taxing to play against Virginia because of the patience they have on offense and they force you to have on your offensive end.
3: Yes. I've seen a lot of Syracuse players log minutes similar to what Frank and Tyus are playing right now. Uh, the thing that I see from Tyus and Frank right now that sometimes you didn't see from guys like Preston Schumpert or even an Andrew White last year or Johnny Flynn, uh, Jason Hart when he was a senior. Yeah, Jason Hart never really lost focus when he was a senior. Frank Howard's a junior, and I know he's in his first year as a starter, and so I'm going to give him a little bit of a break here, but he's halfway through that junior season now. He's got to start playing the game the, the same way Alan Griffin did as a senior, the same way Jason Hart did as a senior. He's got to learn, listen, I'm not going to be able to take an offensive possession off, at least in terms of getting us into the offense and and, and taking care of the ball. You know, you just can't afford the mental mistake. And, and the reason you really can't afford it, the reason we're really talking about all these little uh, minor details, this team's not going to score a lot, and their pace is going to be very slow which means best case scenario, you're winning a fairly close game. And worst case scenario is you're losing a close game and you're going to agonize over it for the next two or three or five days until you get to play again. But they're going to be in close games, so every possession, every play matters.
2: Totally agree with that. I think, you know, save for the road game at Duke, which is going to be a a tough order, and and some of these other, (laughs) you know, maybe there's a couple others, every game is going to come down to a, a couple of possessions. To me, you know, Coaching is is uh, a pretty tough racket. The thing that would drive me crazy is the my bad chest tap that the players do. So, yeah, but, yeah, got okay. Well, we we got it. We understand. Yeah, you're bad, but uh, but that's that. It's uh, it's happened now. Hey, uh, quickly here, Mike. Just in the, in the last minute or so, Florida State stubbed its toe last night. So you look at a team that was. Uh, Ranked preseason in the top fifteen just recently in the polls, down to uh, number twenty three spot in the polls, and all of a sudden they're one and three in conference, losing at home, which uh, hadn't happened in their previous twenty eight games, blowing a thirteen point lead. How do you see this matchup? uh, Given you know Florida State looks to be a real threat in as much as they have multiple three-point shooters, but uh, Leonard Hamilton, we just played it uh, earlier in the show, uh, really felt his team was bothered by Louisville's length and Syracuse has length.
3: Syracuse does have length. I think it's going to be real interesting. Florida State takes as many or more threes than any team in the ACC. They jack them up. Their percentage is just okay. They're about in the middle of the pack in the ACC for percentage, but they take and make more than anybody. So you know against the zone, the ball's going to go up from the outside. So that'll test the perimeter of the Syracuse defense. I think what Syracuse is probably hoping that they can get to happen is push the Florida state perimeter guys a little bit further back, a step or two back from where they're comfortable, get them off that three point line. But if they want to take 25 to thirty threes, great. Have at it. And, And if you make them from way out there, You know, if they make 12 of 30, you're probably going to lose. But if you can put them into a 6-for-25 night, I think Syracuse has a chance. Uh, So, you know, we'll see what happens. Florida State's going to go. They're going to push the ball. They're going to play at home. They play more guys. I don't think they have a single guy in their roster averaging 30 minutes a game. Of course, Syracuse has numbers one, two, three in the ACC in <laughs> minutes played, and they're all up around 37 and a half. So you know, it'll be, be a little bit of a test there. But sometimes I've seen Florida State teams not get into an offensive rhythm, especially against the Syracuse zone, because they do play many guys. Sure. You know, I, I, I played I, 10 last, last night. Blaine Bacon and Jonathan Isaac yeah. were on the bench. Right. Like, both these guys are going to be, you know, in the in the pros in another year. And you're like, it, it basically cost, cost Florida State the game up. No question so, about it. We'll see what happens, but I, I you, know, you also have to wonder, are you catching a Florida State team that might be motivated, or are they going to be a Florida State team because they've lost three out of four here to start the ACC? Are they uh, doubting themselves a little bit? Or is, is there a little bit of shaken confidence over there? I, I'm really intrigued by Saturday. It'd be a great opportunity for Syracuse to go down and snag a road win for a very good team.
2: Looking forward to it, my friend. Uh, Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you uh, next week, and we'll see you in Tallahassee. All
3: right, Matt. Safe travel. All right.
2: Thank you, Mike Waters from uh, Oswego County Mutual Insurance. And uh, to his point about uh, Florida State and uh, playing time in the game last night, they did play 10 players. One of them had seven minutes. Another had five. So eight players that uh, saw a dozen minutes or more. Florida State's absolutely an example. I can remember a game at Cincinnati uh, a few years ago where they lost because they had too many. You know, the the intention to get everybody in the game it backfired on them. And uh, and that's a good memory by by Mike talking about you know when you got NBA players sitting on the bench because it's somebody else's turn to play, um, you're probably not uh, executing the. Uh, the game plan properly, or putting people in the right position in terms of uh, allocating the minutes. And uh, Syracuse with a much tighter rotation, fewer decisions to make uh, in that regard. So uh, this is a year where I don't know how much you can really quibble over the substitution pattern. There just uh, aren't that many options for the Orange right now. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back with more as we continue. It's the Cuse and Florida State. Saturday, we'll be back on the show tomorrow as well, previewing the matchup with you. Joe is back with us next in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.
0: Get on the block with Brent Axe. Jim Beheim's our guest here on ESPN Radio. So they held Ty
3: 8 points, roughly below his average. And Matt Moyer got eight points over his average. And O'Shea,
0: who averages 15, got 25. He got 10 points over his average. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM, and 1440 AM. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care. Here's Joe Salzo. I
4: don't care no more. Challenging the Vegas uh, Vegas, uh, Golden Knights, but not to a hockey game. The Army filing a challenge to the U.S. Trademark Trial and Appeal Board saying, that the new NHL team's name is closely identified with their branch of the military. The Army says the Golden Knights have also used a color scheme on their uniforms and in advertisements that are similar that may actually confuse people into thinking that the Army and the Golden Knights are one and the same. In a statement, the team denies the Army's allegations.
2: If you think that an NHL hockey team is affiliated with the United States military, (laughs) I I just don't know how you... (laughs) Function in day-to-day <laughs> life, uh, you're completely not paying attention. I'm all for branding and marketing, and people having uh, the rights and protecting the rights of the marks. I don't know that they're that close. And when the Go- the Golden Knights is not an especially inventive name, they didn't really Vegas it up, if if you notice. Um, but I don't look at their stuff and think it's related to the army. But if you're going in that neighborhood. Yeah, gold and and black and knights and that type of imagery. There's only so many things you can do, but it's the, uh, you know, if you talk about the athletic teams that represent the United States Military Academy at West Point, it's the Black Knights, the Black Knights of the Hudson. Uh, They've even changed their name to Army West Point, which I think is weird, but uh, nobody who's breathing and upright is confusing the Golden Knights with the Army.
1: Uh, The Golden Knights have released a statement saying we are not aware of a single complaint from anyone attending our games that they were expecting to see a parachute team and not a professional (laughs) hockey (laughs) (laughs) team.
2: Now, they did. um, Didn't they? Wasn't the College of St. Rose or something like that? That's the Golden Knights that they had a little back and forth with when they first, uh, you know, to me they must have made a con- we should we're overdue to have uh, Dan Duve on the show. They've had really not only a great year, they've had the best year for any expansion outfit ever. Um it'd be good to catch up with Dan and and uh, check in on the experiences he's having, but um uh, I know they had that little spat with them. They must have made a conscious decision to not be overly Vegas in their uh branding and marketing when they first started because they're the first major league organization in Las Vegas, and to go in there and be the the gamblers or the dice rollers or the whatever, I think would be probably a little too uh, in the face of of these for the taste of the leagues and stuff. You know, the NFL has been reluctant to to go there, and they'll they'll wind up there with the Raiders. Wouldn't surprise me if someday the NBA's is there. there. There certainly is a a strong presence in, in Vegas, but uh, this is an unusual one. I, I did read this morning where. This is thought to be a pretty good case that the army has and there's some uh, precedent that they might be able to win uh, again here against uh, the Golden Knights but uh, you know I think Vegas should be in the clear here.
1: Didn't NC State come after a local high school too for using the Wolfpack or Gold- College? Keuka? Yeah, yeah, That's ridiculous. Wolfpack is used by a million different schools, right?
2: Yes. Uh how Cuka came to become the Wolfpack is Probably a different size. They're
1: indigenous to the Kiyuka winery yeah. area.
2: Finger Lakes region. <laughs>
4: yes.
2: Not exactly as, hey, you want to go see the Wolfpack? Yeah, <laughs> they might think that was Keuka that you're talking about.
4: Georgetown wants to go old school for an upcoming game. The Hoyos will ban cell phones in part of their arena for the January 20th game against St. John's. The team says the actual reality promotion will include name tags to encourage face-to-face conversation.
2: Yeah, Brent did a good part of this on the on his show last night. I I think this is neat. Georgetown has come up with a few things. Georgetown really has to work hard to get people to their games. You know, they're they have a nice NBA arena. It's not on campus. Uh, they're not well. They are in a big time conference, but it's it's not the Syracuse of the world that are coming to to visit them anymore. And so they've got to uh, they've got to dig. I love this idea. Uh, it's a amazing how much cell phones have taken over our lives myself included and, and how much time you spend on it. i think uh, at least to have the option for that all to be of course you always have the option to turn off your own or keep it in your pocket or whatever but uh, to make for a, a special little part of the venue on this night is pretty cool
1: going to a georgetown game is a, a fine grip a bit of reality anyways because it yeah. sucks <laughs> hits you right in the face
2: yes boo that was my Although I, I don't know that I would do that, at,
1: you know, when they're playing
2: Georgetown or playing at St. John's, I'm sorry. It seems to me that, and maybe St. John's doesn't sell tickets in the way that it used to. But uh, Pat Ewing versus uh, Chris <laughs> Mullen alone, to me, would be a, a very cool thing. And I know they just uh, they should just, just have, play
4: the
1: other night. They should have those two play one on one. I would that rather would be watch great. that. Yes.
4: And finally, a Massachusetts man has won the lottery after his wife scored big in a sweepstakes several months ago. Robert Goodwin won a million dollars on a $5 lottery ticket over the summer. His wife won a million dollars in the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. The Goodwins say they plan on moving down south where there's no snow to shovel. I feel a little
2: sorry for these people. Obviously, as a a couple, they're uh, loving life and they've won and they've found their own happiness, so good for them. But to... You got to shoot the puck to score and to have taken as many cracks as they must have at the nickel lottery and the uh, publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. This strikes me as the type of home where they have a lot of things delivered from QBC and uh, they ke- keep their catch up packets and. And uh, and stuff like that is kind of a scary existence.
1: How many magazines are you getting if you've subs- if you're doing yeah. that Publishers Clearing? Because don't you have to subscribe to like fifteen magazines to yeah, do that? It's, it's My so. question is, who delivers the big check
4: now? It used to be Ed McMahon, right? But is, is there a and new going to deliver it? You know, they're,
2: now they're snooty. They're moving south. I would also say, hey, you have at least a couple million bucks. Pay the neighbor boy <laughs> to shovel the snow. I don't want to hear it about the the snow shoveling.
4: Doing- but uh, move south and enjoy it. They. They've got magazines down there too. Do we care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it for a slice. I couldn't
2: tell you the last time I even did a scratch off.
1: I can't imagine doing that. I'm so shocked that publishers' clearinghouse is still a thing. Like, do you have to lick stamps and put them on That's the paper to still to do that? Is there a new modern way to do that? <laughs> I have a scratch off ticket someone got me for Christmas. It's still in my car.
4: I haven't, Has I it haven't expired. Have not used it yet.
2: I mean, I guess they're a little bit of a thrill. I mean, every now and again, you know what I like getting is every now and again somebody, you know, instead of getting you random gift card or something, or maybe they'll, you know, instead of 25 bucks at Amazon, they, oh, here's 10, 15, 20 of those scratch off tickets. Hey, at least you got a little bit of a, a charge out of scratching those. Maybe, maybe you win some. But, you know, you're going to scratch off 25 of them to get like one $2 winning that's going to give you just. Two more tickets, and then that's the
1: end of the ride. Paulie Sebelia life hack. God. Are you ready for this? No, this should be good. Do never scratch it off in front of the person who gave you the ticket. Because then you show the yeah, disappointment? It, no, no. Because if you win, then you got to share it. Oh, right. So you go home. and Good point. Then they will never know whether you won or lost. Well, you, you got to scratch this at home. You were full of fun
4: life hacks today. <laughs> I can't tell us. you the other one they told me earlier. I do, th- <laughs> I do think that those... Um,
2: the scratch off things are a fun little, you know, people who are really good at giving gifts and stuff and like to wrap up, they f- tack that on there on the top of the here's your present, and then boom is like a almost like where the two from card would go, just jam it in there under a ribbon on top of the present. Here's a one or two scratch off tickets. There's a little something, but I, I can't see myself going in and buying scratch off.
1: Tonight I'm going to go home and research a publisher's clearinghouse, how to do that, <laughs> and I'm going to buy something from Finger Hut. I'm feeling crazy. Finger <laughs> <laughs> huh? yeah.
2: Get enough catalogs (laughs) as it is. I can't think. If I signed up for Publisher's Clearhouse, I can't imagine how many more needless emails I would get. (laughs) I'm already up to several beyond what I can handle. All right, Joe, thank you. Thank you. Back to wrap it up when we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.
4: Join us Friday night for the Drivers Village High School Basketball Game of the Week. This week, Bishop Grind versus Bishop Ludden. Coverage starts at 645 on ESPN AM 1200.
0: This is In the Booth with Matt Park.
2: Thanks to Mike Waters for coming on to the show a bit earlier today. We talked about kind of some room for improvement for Syracuse. It's not... They're having a hard time shooting the basketball, that's for certain. But one of the areas that can be cleaned up, one is turnovers, where Frank Howard, for as improved as he's been, he's been a much better shooter, a better contributor across the board. He has been turnover prone of late. Orange coach Jim Beheim pulling him out of the game early at Virginia on Tuesday night and then commenting after the game when he was asked uh, what did he convey at that moment.
3: He started out the game with two completely unforced turnovers. You're a junior, you're playing 40 minutes a game, you're in college. If you're a freshman, you can't do that. If you're a sophomore, you can't do that. So if you're a junior, you can't make plays. Frank's playing really well. He's leading the league in turnovers. He's got to find a way. Some turnovers you're going to have. You drive in, try to make a play. We can't have three. He had three completely unforced turnovers tonight.
2: You can hear more from Orange Head Coach Jim Beheim tonight over at Shaughnessy's, the Marriott Syracuse downtown, and the AmeriQ Jim Beheim show. We'll be on the network uh, with Coach from 7 to 8. And uh, for those of you who'd like even more, Gomez with the Gomez and Lisa show on TK99. We'll have Coach for another hour from 8 until 9. So thanks to uh, all of you for listening today. We appreciate, again, Mike Waters, CH Insurance, and Burdick Our sponsors have uh, been there from the get-go. For Polly and Joe, I'm Matt saying so long. Back tomorrow in the booth at 2 o'clock. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.